emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we are doing Free Rider Friday, almost for the whole year, Ed. <laughs> we can free ride over all year. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled out stuff from, you know, all sorts of places. So I'm, I'm, I'm loaded for bear here. Yeah, no, I have the same thing. I've, I was, in fact, looking over my, my stack of stuff going, I probably should start to jettison some of this stuff after this show and and start refresh for the new year. So I started to do that before we went live today. I uh, was cleaning up my stack and just found some really good stuff. But it's just, it would take so long to do some of it. Some of it is just really <laughs> in-depth. We could do a whole show on it. Well, we, we pull those out and we should probably do it as we fill things up. It was also perhaps bored our audience to tears. So it's, yeah, stuff that only <clears throat> me or you or both find interesting. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's okay too. All right. What do you got though? What do you got? Okay. This is cool. It's probably in your stack, but this is out of a subscribed weekly newsletter from Teenzo, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about Coca-Cola. And Top of the stack. Top of my stack too. Stuck, there you go. Yep. Um, <laughs> Oh, you know what? Um, uh, <laughs> no, it's not about that one. Uh, I have oh, it's another not. one too. I have one on Black Friday, but let's talk about the Coke one. Coke okay. launched a new subscription box service called the Insiders Club that includes swag, surprises, and three new test beverages for 10 bucks a month. And he points out in here, Ed, and this is scary, that Dairy Queen and Arby's are experimenting with the subscription box service. Now, I'm sorry, but if you subscribe to Arby's, that's... Uh, we have the meats, Ron. <laughs> that's over the top. I I can't handle that. But, but the thing is, this Coke subscription sold out in three hours. And there's a waiting list to join it. Yes, and I was curious about this. In the article that I read, I did not see how many. So sold out meaning what? I know. I don't know what, you know, some type of artificial limit or something they put on yeah, it. Yeah, is it 10? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, I never did see the number. Um, but, you know, they are the biggest consumer brand in the world, and Teen points out that they've suffered a 4% decline in, in brand value on the interbrand best global brands list. That's the kind of the outfit mm-hmm. that values brands. There's a few others that do it too, but theirs is really well known. And in fact, he points out that their brand's been declining on the list from five to 7% every year for the last five years because people don't buy based on some jingle or subliminal message, right? They, they, um, they're, they want to buy from companies they have a direct relationship with. Mm-hmm. And this is where the subscription model, I think, kicks butt. It, yeah. It strengthens that relationship. Even, you know, I've been thinking about this because we've been reading a lot about the relationship economy. And you and I have toyed with the idea of moving from the knowledge economy to the relationship economy vocabulary, mm-hmm. which I do think is probably a little bit more descriptive. But think about it. Have you ever ever interacted with anyone from Amazon? A live human being? One time. Me too. One time. Mm -hmm. And was it a tech issue or something? Tech issue issue over, I, what might've been an episode of the man in the high castle, but it was an episode of some show that was on prime that the, when you, when you clicked on whatever episode it was, it did not play that episode. It played, it played a different episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Interesting. And then we did get it. We did get, did get it worked out. Yeah. It was rather painful though. And the only reason why I was willing to stick with it is because it was Amazon and I had such a long-term relationship with them that it was worth me investing the, the, to, you know, could finally get to talk to somebody from Amazon was no small feat. No, it's not. They're, it's kind of hard to find out how to contact them, even find their phone number. Right. <clears throat> yep. I, I had a, a 
Kindle highlight issue. In fact, I think you and I talked about it and it was just really weird. I lost a bunch of highlights on a couple books. I lost all my highlights. Mm-hmm. And they, the guy who I was talking with couldn't solve it. He kicked me up to somebody higher up. He couldn't solve it either. They never did solve it. Hmm. Interesting. It was just really bizarre. It hasn't, hasn't ha- happened again though. Yeah. Okay. No, no but it, uh, it did happen and it was really kind of annoying to say the least. I bet. But, uh, you know, this is um, the other thing that team points out here, and it's kind of a mini rant on his part, but, you know, advertising as we know it lo- no longer works. And right. Rory's kind of making the same point now, Alchemy, but, you know, a lot of kind of, you think about the companies that have developed relationships directly with consumers without going through a marketing agency, without spending a lot on branding or advertising, just you know, think of Harry's Razor, think of, you know, uh, I, there's so many bowl and branch sheets, uh, mm-hmm. Casper beds. I mean, they're, they're, they, what do they call these things? Direct to consumer brands, Correct. right? There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just really interesting to see Coke, um, such a staid company, but, you know, such a iconoclastic, uh, just corporate brand doing this. It's just awesome. Interesting. Yeah. And I actually clicked on the, the Arby's article, which <laughs> is behind a paywall now on Adweek. Whenever, when I first clicked into it, it was, I was able to get in, mm-hmm. but they, but they did talk about some, first of all, Arby sold out in less than an hour. So take that Coke. Right. Wow. That's hardcore. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's hardcore. And I, I have to say, I don't know if I've ever been to an Arby's. I know they're still around here. I just have never even had an Arby's, so I couldn't even tell you if they're good or not. I do know the commercials. But what I will say is that they also talked about restaurants in this article that are offering subscriptions at $99 a, a, a month for you to come in and eat a certain amount of food. It doesn't include drinks and all this stuff, but, and I just thought that this is the antidote in a, well, not the antidote, but it's, it is a, it is, it is a pushback of what we're hearing from the lawyers, which is, well, I don't know what they're going to have, what, what they're going to buy. Right. <laughs> like, this, 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 this is a restaurant. Well, that's probably legal services. It. Right, probably yeah. legal services. Probably, I mean, probably, not, <laughs> probably not coming to you to learn how to fly a plane, you know. Jeez, <laughs> um, I know. We're so we're our our mentality goes right to services, right to scope of works. Like, no, focus on the relationship. This model forces you to do that. Mm-hmm. It forces it. We can give it lip service. We can say, oh, we want to become their customer, the customer's trusted advisor. We can, do, we can play all those games. And it's all BS unless your business model and the way you're paid is aligned. This aligns it. Yeah. And look, we've talked about this before, but this, this subscription model, direct primary care, Dr. Keith, that we talk, who we talked to last week, these are all innovations, business model innovations that are outpacing even the technology of these industries. And yeah. I think that, that that's just absolutely wonderful. In fact, it's, it's, it's a regress in technology, if you think about it, with regard to uh, the, 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 they're not using the medical records, the electronic me- medical records. It's a, it's, a, it's a pushback on the technology in some ways to get back to the actual doctoring. And look, I think that that has an analog in other service-based businesses too. That right, this whole notion that we're we're probably using this technology oftentimes for technology's sake, and is it really helping the customer? Right, right, yeah. What's 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 the equivalent in the accounting firm of the electronic medical medical records? There is something cloud-based accounting (laughs) apps, all the technology that we bring to bear that are nothing but tools, and actually, I believe detract from developing a relationship. Now there's no doubt that people want convenience and they want to be able to do stuff online and access things. No doubt that you should not, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't use these tools. These tools are wonderful. They are no substitute zero for the relationship with the customer face to face, eyeball to eyeball. And, and I think they're impinging upon that. what What they're allowing us to do is put volume over value. Yes. Phrase. Yep, that's exactly right. So all about it's back. It's back to the effing debate. It's all about efficiency. It's all about yep. efficiency, making them and us 
and when I say us, I'm talking about the provider, more efficient. We can do, we can get, we can have more subscribers if we do it this way. I, I don't think that you get that in the subscription models that we've been talking about, there's been a reduction yeah. in the number of customers that people are serving. From 2,400, what was it? From 2,400 to 500 was yep. the patient log. I think that's yep. the phrase that, that uh, Dr. Paul used, right? Panel of patients, they call it. Panel of patients. All right, so this is, it's a reduction in the number of customers. We're not it's figuring a out a way to serve man. more. It's an 80% reduction. It's yep. a, you know, what we've been saying for years, 2080 rule, cut the mm -hmm. 80, and that freaks people out. They did it. Yep. They did it. And a lot of these uh, DPCs and concierge doctors have waiting lists. Mm -hmm. How many practices can say that? Right. You just can't develop relationships on uh, that scale massively. You, I was just know. about to say that yeah. scale, scale, scale is this, this horrible, horrible word. <laughs> and look, and I, just to reiterate your point, we are not anti-technology. We are not saying don't use the technology. What we're saying, please do not substitute the technology for relationship. That is really the key thought here. Right. And, and to the extent that your tech saves you time, invest that time in your current customers. Don't use to go chase new ones. Invest it in the current relationship because there's so much there that you could be doing for them. And when you're in the concierge practice model, that forces you to do that. Mm -hmm. But it's, but it's not increasing the size. Not, not, not doesn't, doesn't grow, Ron. It's not it's big. It's not growing the pie, Ed. It's not growing not the growing, top I line. Know. We're top line I driven. Know. We're top line driven. I know. No, it's so, it's really, really tough. So look, we got about a minute before our break. I just, I, I want to throw a, a quick one in here because it's just a, a plug more than anything. Cause I'm sure this is something you haven't seen. I just started doing it. You know, I got, I, I got gifted a subscription to the Masterclass series. Oh, uh-huh. Have you, have you seen those, right? It's like, and it, it's 80 bucks for one class and 160 for all of them. Well, I got gifted a, an, an all of them, right? Which I thought was very nice. Anyway, I, and I, there's some really fascinating ones. Kasparov on chess, right? Well, there's a new one out. Steve Martin just started, on comedy. Steve Martin on comedy. Well, this is the one that I just started watching and may, may be well worth it. Uh, Bob Iger on business strategy. Mm, I've seen ads for that, yeah. And it is really, really good. And he, he brings up this whole, this whole concept of, look, if, if, if one thing Disney is good at, it's scale, but it's, a, they, but it's about they develop the relationship first. Yeah. It, and that's what he's saying. It all comes back to our animation. If animation is failing, Disney fails in the long term. It's true, yeah. yeah. No, that's very true because there was a period there where their animation was stagnant. There's several. There's been yeah. several yeah, ups, yeah, and, yeah. There's been true, several true. ups, ups and downs. Yep. So anyway, yep. well, we're up against our first break. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website, thesoulofenterprise.com, where you can see previews to upcoming shows as well as all of previous 260 or 70-odd shows I think we're up to now, Ron. But right now, we want to hear a word from our sponsor. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. 
Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of December. And Ed, why is it called Black Friday? My understanding, and this could be wrong, but my understanding was that it is because it's when retailers went into the black. For the year. Right? For the year. That's, that was my understanding of that's, that's what it was, why it was called Black Friday. Yep. That's, is that that's, correct? That's one of the theories. There's a few okay. theories. A and, few? Okay. And we don't know. We really hmm. don't know. There was a great free article on this. I, I figured this might be in your stack or you've probably read this. But last year, 165 million Americans, that's half the population, shopped on uh, Black Friday. $6.2 billion in online sales, total sales from 50 to $60 billion. Um, but we have no idea why Black Friday is called Black Friday. So some people said, well, it stemmed from the slave trade. This guy says that's a big myth. This is out of fee, by the way. And this is John Miltimore, who I think okay. is really written some very interesting things over um, yes I agree uh, over this past year um, so several historical events have been dubbed Black Friday including the panic of 1869 he says there's at least three competing explanations the first record that we have referring to the day after Thanksgiving as Black Friday is an obscure magazine from the 1950s that that said Americans were playing hooky uh, skipping work to create a four-day weekend Mm. And uh, the article was what to do about Friday after Thanksgiving appeared in, you'll love this magazine. It's one of my favorite factory management and maintenance oh. for engineers and factory managers uh, said Friday after Thanksgiving, it's a disease second only to the bubonic plague and its effects. At least that's the feeling of those who have to get production out when the black Friday comes along, the shop may be half empty. <laughs> So it's a kind of a 1950s equivalent of Monday after the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, he also points out that since 2006, about a dozen people have died, uh, you know, during the stupid mad rushes into the Walmart. Oh, yeah. TVs. Um, Philadelphia law enforcement started to use the term Black Friday to refer to the floods of shoppers who descended on the city. And then um, a report from, a 196, from 1961 mentions New Yorkers waiting in traffic through 13 changes of a single traffic light started to use the term uh, because to, to represent, you know, chaos and all that. Um, and then he does point out the Black Friday, putting them in the black. So we're not sure. We're not sure. But I kind of like I kind of like your explanation. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it at least makes sense in the myth, but th that article does. doesn't, it, it does not seem to support that at all. Now, no, maybe that, it, it could also be two different things like that. They were using the term Black Friday to mean this, and then somebody picked up on Black Friday meaning something else. So he even does point out that the earliest known reference to Black Friday as a day when stores are finally making profits come from mm -hmm. a 1981 Philadelphia Inquirer article. What's with Philadelphia and the Black Friday thing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but that was really interesting. So, yeah, who knows why we call it Black Friday? All right. Well, I've got I, – I, staying on the subject of the, of the macabre then, I've got this one from our friend and guest on this show, Steve Landsberg. Okay. Who is, is – this is a, a blog post from – think December. Well, I, maybe that's when I saw it, but it's, it's, it, he, he's, it's called life lessons. And he was, he's talking about the people at the Washington post and others who've been sounding the alarm on the rising death rate in the United States. And that he, they, they say, well, something clearly is something terribly wrong here. And of course his contrarian view on this is that maybe this is actually something to celebrate. 
because it's it's something to celebrate if the rising death rates i'm reading from the article now result from voluntary informed choices <laughs> the thing to celebrate of course is not the deaths themselves but the fact that people have found something worth dying for just as when you buy a house i'd congr- I, I congratulate you not for the expense but for the finding something that made the expense worthwhile right he says now you think might this think that this is obnoxious but o- opioids offer an escape to people from miserable lives. They also are an enhancement to, for non-miserable lives. The decision to be obese comes, from, obese comes from many perks. You can spend a lot more t- time eating M&Ms and a lot less time on the treadmill. treadmill. I myself <laughs> spend much of my time on the treadmill wondering whether or not I've made the wrong choice. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and I have, I've thought about this as like, is, is there a, is there this thing like the time spent exercising is, is it one-to-one like, or is it greater than one-to-one for an hour spent exercising? Does that extend your life an hour? In which case, I don't know if it's worth the trade-off. It should, it should be at least double or triple you would think, right? For the right. ROI tools. ROI, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there. So an hour spent exercising should extend your life at least three hours, I would think. But I've never, never seen any studies on this. And of course it, it's such a complex issue. You'd never be able to do it, but you know, if, if, if exercise and, and, and d- d- extends your life for just the same amount of time that you're doing it, there's really no win there, is it? Right. Right. <laughs> is that from his blog? The, the, yeah. The, the big yeah, questions, the big questions. Yeah. Yes. yeah i love landsberg landsberg is just <laughs> man does he twist your head around <laughs> jeez he's just no. great thinker I, I just love the guy just love the guy that's awesome yep yep cool. so anyway but it's i mean and he does he does make a point it is macabre but it is a it is a valid point it is valid point. And I love that whole point of, of when you congratulate someone on buying a house, it's not the expense, but that it's worth the expense. Expense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What's uh, what's mortgage stand for? Death grip? or Death grip. grip. Death, death, death pledge. Death, death pledge, pledge, actually. Death, death pledge. Yeah. That's wild. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember the movie Airplane? Of course. I think it was Airplane. Didn't... Um, Maybe it was the sequel, but on one of them, the the stewardess comes out and says, oh, there's nothing to worry about. And, you know, everything's fine. By the way, does anybody know how to fly a seven? Yeah, does anybody know how to fly? That's, that's from the original movie, that's right? That's from the original, yeah. I think yeah. In, the, in the sequel, she comes out and says that. And then and, and there's dead silence. And then she says, oh, and by the way, we're out of coffee. And everybody... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, remember Garmin? Garmin made the GPS Swiss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guess what? They're working on an auto land button for airplanes. Okay. In case something happens to pilot and co-pilot, passenger would go into the cockpit, hit this button, and the automatic pilot would take over. You know, I'm thinking of the thing that inflate. Remember they had the inflatable yeah, yeah, autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. It was a uh, relatively, you know, graphic joke. That yeah, yeah, there was, it was great. Um, but this would uh, put you right in touch with air traffic control. They would talk you down, but the, but the thing would fly. And um, it's going into service. There is a standard feature on the Piper M600, the SLX. Uh, a couple of other jets uh, and a beefier variant they're working on for jet airlines could be activated automatically or remotely. Looks like, and the economist says, looks like another step on the road to dropping the co-pilot and eventually the pilot too. Mm, dun, dun, dun. Right. That's this interesting. Is a big question. That's this is a big question. How much do you trust this technology? Right. Yes. Uh, see, see the 737 max. Which I, I don't know if you saw, but he the the, it's, the Boeing CEO was uh, kicked out this morning. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. But you know, the, and that was a technology problem, but it was also a problem that the pilot didn't know about the technology, what it was doing. Correct. Correct. Right? So I mean, that, that was just. But this is going to be really interesting to see how this tests. What What do you feel about it, Ron? You're a big flyer. How do you feel about it, the potentiality of not of having no human up there? I don't know, but I will tell you this. I love this idea of having an auto land just in case something backup. does have as a backup. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, 
because imagine you're on one of these 21 hour flights now and you know something happens to the pilot co-pilot which would be really statistically probably not very likely at all but um but if you were in a but if you were in a private jet maybe with just one pilot you know this thing would be really cool to have as a as a redundant system i i don't know ed i um i'd have to see it work a lot kind of how i I have autonomous cars I know. I have less problem with the car than I do with the plane. And if for no other reason, then I think that fatalities from automobile accidents are, and I have to, you know, they're, they're much more common, right, from a, a mile standpoint than, than airlines. I, you know, and, and plus the fact, you know, you still have the, the, the idea, it's a bad idea to kill your customers. So a car company that came out with one that was, was fail is going to be on the hook. For right. sure, a, a big tarnishment of their reputation. Whereas, and this is harsh to say, but with a with a plane situation, it's the risk is spread out over a lot more people, right? So, and and the pilots have skin in the game, like they say, you know, the exits yes. for the pass or for the passengers. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you know, think of Captain Sully or whatever, right? I mean, right? Um, yeah, I you know, I don't know, but. Boy, if they perfect this technology, it could be very feasible at some point. Maybe not. I'm in sure lifetime. at some point. I'm, I'm sure at some point it will be better, better than human. I mean, it's it it's one of those things that the nuances are eventually going to be picked out. The question is creativity, right? The whole Sullenberger right. thing was with the creativity of of land. No programmer is going to say land in the Hudson. Right. Right. I mean, they might now, but there'll be something else be that'll something come up else. on. A, yeah. that unexpected that you can't plan for. Yep. Yep. And I think that's the issue that they've run in with cars, mm-hmm. right? Even though they have this Mr. Magoo theory of, you know, driving around the block a few trillion times and he'll get great. Well, there's a few trillion possibility things out there that could happen. Sure. You know, sure. and humans are great at responding to it. Mm-hmm. AI, not so much. All right. Well, Ed, this is great. We uh, need to wrap up this one, this segment. I can't believe this show just flies by, but folks, we'd like to remind you, check out the soul of enterprise.com and please go out to Apple podcasts, write us a review, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. We will read it on the air. If you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can send us an email to ask TSOE at barrisage.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're free riding on Friday here on the Soul of Enterprise, our last free to rider Friday for 2019. And yes, we will in upcoming shows be talking about our best of. We tend to do some 
history or year end wrap ups at the beginning of the year rather than than end. Uh, so, Ron, this one, file this one under the, you know, the women making 80 cents on the dollar. Okay. All right. So, this is the back, back to this. This is from, from the Huffington Post and an article dated on uh, the December 23rd. It turns out that women candidates have, are, have a, t- quote, terrifying experience trying to fundraise female candidates. So eight weeks into Audrey Denny's 2018 congressional campaign, she was struggling hard. The idea of calling friends, family and coworkers and community members to ask them to donate uh, crippled her with anxiety. The, the initial enthusiasm for running a campaign against Republican rep Doug Lamethia of California's first congressional district had been replaced with an almost unbearable imposter, imposter syndrome. Right. She said that she had no problem raising money for a not-for-profit that she was in charge of. So the, the quote is now, for, according to Dr. Susan Carroll, fundraising is harder for women than it is for men. Women are less comfortable asking for, men, asking for money than, than are men. Uh, they are perfectly comfortable asking money for, for causes, but when it comes to them specifically, it, they, they run into this trouble. Okay. Let me just personal experience. I've run a campaign. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to call people and ask them for money. Is a terrifying, frightening experience. Uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, for men yeah, and yes. women. And, and we, <laughs> yes, yeah. it absolutely, it absolutely is. Now, maybe that's because I'm in touch with my feminine side, Ron. I don't know, no, right? I but I don't think it comes naturally to just about anyone. It's like pricing ourselves, Ed. Uh, why we there you agents. go. Why do we need agents? Why do you need? Why do you need an executive director of your That's of right. a campaign? Why? Because so you can just sign the letter. So I can sell you, and you don't have to. Have to exactly right. Yeah. So I think, of course, with the with the, the the answer that the Huffington Post puts forward is, of course, public financing of campaigns. Of course, so that we don't have to worry about this, and this would even the playing field, Ron. It would even the playing field. But the biological <laughs> sex spin on that is just asinine well first of all it's suspect but anything in the huff post is suspect well but but even if true even if true wouldn't that also potentially explain the pay gap (laughs) yeah at least partially explain the pay gap that women are less likely to ask for more money is it but is that is it really biological i mean i like I, i just I have a hard time accepting that notion. You should, because there are a lot of so, other factors at work, like biology. <laughs> we, you know. oh, there, there's other factors at work that like that biological, but asking for money, I yes, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So Same I, dilemma with pricing. Ex- it, where you can't price your own stuff. Of course you can't yep. price your own stuff. Not effectively. Yep. You know. Well, Ed, this is from The Economist, December 7th. I'm sure you saw this, but Sergey Brin and Larry Page stepped down on December 3rd. They bowed yep. out as president, chief exec of Alphabet. Uh, it's really interesting, though, because, you know, they have this dual share stock situation and they still control over 50% mm-hmm. of the voting rights, right? Um and one of the things the economist speculates on is if Google were regulated like a utility, its profits could be <laughs> could be in peril. They are the far, fourth largest um, company by market cap, and um, they the economist suggests the founders should forfeit their special voting rights and gradually sell all their shares. The firm faces deep questions. Best to give someone else the freedom to answer them. Fair enough. Be a gilder. Life after Google. Oh, so is this is this the uh, another another kink in the armor? Is this I, a? I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, you know, they've been fined nine billion dollars by the European Union. Does anybody think that's going to stop? No. <laughs> um. So I, you know, I I I don't know, but they they definitely uh, they they this article even points out they they rely too heavily on advertising revenue. And none of their yeah. moonshot projects have really paid off. 
driverless car, internet the world. Um, what other things they got going on? They got lots of things going on with their moonshot. Oh, there's social social uh, media, right? Google yeah, yeah. Google Plus. Never, yep. never. Yep. <laughs> my my favorite description of that was, "What is Google Plus? It's Facebook for Google employees." <laughs> <laughs> They even pointed out that Microsoft successfully reinvented themselves, you know, as a cloud computing firm after Bill Gates stepped down. Yeah. And I saw an interesting article on um, uh, Satya Nadella, Mm -hmm. who's the the CEO of Microsoft. Mm -hmm, And and I did not put this in my stack. Perhaps I should have, but, but giving props to Doug Burgum who is the now governor of North Dakota, who is the CEO of Great Plains. Cause Satya right. was, he was, he was, he was the, uh, uh just bit Microsoft dynamics and then mm-hmm. became, and that he, and his rank to promotion was through, through that group and spent a lot of time with Doug. And one of the things that he talked about is that, you know, culture, the importance of bringing back culture into the organization after Balmer had scared the crap out of everybody. Screaming market share at everyone. Yeah, screaming market share at everyone. That that there was a reinvention of the culture, and that's that's one of the reasons for their success. So, pretty interesting. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, I just thought that that was really interesting. Now, those guys are going to go, I think, into Google X and you know work on their moonshot projects, but um, they're still going to be involved with the board, obviously, because they do still control the voting rights. But wow, that's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Yep. Um, All right, Ron. Um, let's see here. We've got five minutes. All right, I can get, get a slightly longer one in here. Okay. not going to surprise you. That we ta- and we've talked about this, but let's give an update. California's Assembly Bill 5. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, jeez. <clears throat> yes. You know, this is the one that was supposed to be targeted at Uber and Lyft to make sure that they they paid their people properly and got them at least minimum wage and yada, yada, yada. It was all about, you know, because those those poor Uber employees or those people who are, you know, the, the, what do you call it, independent contractors were being abused. Like, who is making them turn on the app, Ron? <laughs> who made them turn yeah. the app on, really? Yeah, because the if, they were, if they were being <laughs> abused, how about, then, you know what? How about this? Just don't turn the app on. How, do you do, how about you do that? Okay, anyway, it, it turns out that the, some of the first people that have been affected by this specifically, because I think Google, Uber and Lyft are uh, uh, just ignoring it, and it doesn't go into effect for them for some reason until 2021. There was some delay that there was uh, mm-hmm. some part of that. But freelance writers, and it turns out that a lot of them were for Vox. Because there's a, the law contains a provision that limits freelance writers to limit them to 35 articles per outlet per year. Yeah. Now, the bill's author admits that this number is arbitrary <laughs> like most legislation like most legislation in this but a few hundred uh, workers have been laid off for the opportunity to apply for new full-time jobs at the company and there's only 20 of them so several hundred people are now not going to be able and this in- includes not only just vox but vox owned websites such as sb nation which i happen to like by the way really good sports uh place to go and it, yeah, so it, 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 the, the impact now is on all, all of these folks that, hey, now they've got to fi- try to figure out a way to, 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 to go to work when previously they were able to schedule stuff around, you know, babysitting or when the kids are home and all this fr- freelance stuff. But no, 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 you must report to some place between nine and five. It's just so, really pisses And women, me off. women especially hit hard. Yeah. This just really pisses me off. I, yeah, the bottom line is governments do not like independent contractors. Nope. They just don't. They want them in the system. They want them paying the payroll taxes. They don't like the leakage out of the tax system and the cash economy or whatever. It just it, And it's just, it interferes with our freedom of association. I, I, I think this is unconstitutional. Yep. Two, two thirds, two thirds of the of the freelancers in California were women. So if you want to talk about once again, 
not being able to step on the bottom rung of the economic mm-hmm. ladder, just like occupational yep. licensing and just like, yep. every, you know, I know. And, and didn't, isn't there a ballot initiative now to repeal, but there's, that's just as crony as the AB5 mm-hmm. bill itself. Yep. Yeah. I, I, no. I read some articles on that and I'm not sure I'm going to vote for that one. Cause that's really tricky. I hate AB5, but I don't want to pass a, referendum that that's going to make it worse the other way well would it be worse the other way though it well there was a big it? article there was a big article on fee about this oh i missed that one okay and, yeah and i've read it and I, I i can't remember all the details but it made me question voting for this initiative mm-hmm. that they're going to slam on the ballot okay so it's just one of those things you know what do you do yeah so hard to tell Anyway, all right, Ron, we're up against our last break. As Ron said in the previous break, I want to make sure you get out there and write a review for iTunes. We're happy to read that on the air. And, of course, if you are an extra special fan of the Soul of Enterprise, the place to go is patreon.com slash TSOE, where you can join our Patreon site. And over there, you get our episodes without commercial interruption and also our bonus episodes, which are not only more free riding, but oftentimes if we have a guest over, we try to hold them over maybe get some insight that's happened a couple times in the last year. But right now a word from our sponsor and my employer Sage. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday, last one of the year, Ed. Jeez. Uh, Gosh. <laughs> I love this show, but uh, I got one here. Don't ask me why I pulled this. I just think this is interesting. Um, the luxury good industry, which is fascinating, always has been to me because they sell stuff that doesn't really cost a whole lot more to make at unbelievable premium, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And one of the biggest ones, it's a conglomerate, actually is um, LVMH, which Mm -hmm. is a French global conglomerate, and it acquired Tiffany. Did you see this? No. Uh, Tiffany, uh, the fame jeweler, right, with the little box with the... Yeah, yeah, uh, right. the the taupe color or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, Founded in 1837, they paid $16.9 billion. Wow. Uh, for this and what was really fascinating is that um, um, the the LVMH company which owns several brands Louis Vuitton Dior Hermes right they've they've Mm -hmm. got all these they're 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 like the Procter and Gamble of the luxury market (laughs) their market cap 
now rivals Shell. Dang. Royal, Royal Dutch Shell. $227 billion. Sales of luxury goods have been increasing 6% a year since 1996. And this is the other thing I found fascinating. One third of that, one third of all sales of luxury brands, China. One third. One third. Mm-hmm. You know how brand conscious they are, right? We yes. talked about articles about that. Um, wow. <laughs> I guess I guess it's the the old the old adage is nothing like a convert, right? Yeah. There's <laughs> all these all these people who grew up in poverty or 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 in the mid I guess the middle class in China back 20 years ago now extraordinarily brand conscious, which I think is really interesting. Yep. I I want my Louis Vuitton handbag, right? No, you know, and I and look, this is something I we've talked about, but Tom Peters talked talked about this years ago. The fact that you know, we 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 have trouble wrapping our mind around the size of China, and when you recognize that there, whatever it is, four hundred million people in the middle class is bigger than all of the United States, all of it, yeah, all of it. All of it. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, um, Hans Rosling in his book Factfulness, you know, did mm-hmm. his kids before he died. Remember, he points out in that book, and, and it's really changed my thinking anytime I hear the, the term third world developing country, that, that's a misnomer. Yeah. Every one of these countries has a middle class. Even sub-Saharan Africa has Correct. A, a developed sector, and we need to stop saying, you know, third world countries, fourth world countries, developing countries. We need to stop mm-hmm. saying it. Even, dare I say it, but even North Korea has got its share of wealthy people. Yeah, they're all friends of the Kims, but well, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Anyway, well, I, I didn't want to let this pass just because I know we've been talking a lot about it with Dr. Keith and Dr. Paul who who come on recently. And we even referenced it, this with in the, artic, in the uh, conversation with Dr. Keith Smith about the great article that Russ Roberts put out on healthcare without much government. Yeah. And don't want to spend too much time about this, only to say you should read this article. And uh, I, I can't stress enough how my thinking has, I don't want to say entrenched, has become more solidified around the entire notion that the problem with, with healthcare is government intervention without yeah. question. And that it, what what's needed is more competition and, and not less. The, to me, the pull quote from this article is this, and yes, we've talked about it, but I love the way that Russ expresses it. And here's the quote, the opposite of government isn't business. The opposite of government is voluntary. Yep. I love that too. I love that too. Yep. I read that. In fact, we should post um, the postmortem of his show with Mm -hmm. Dr. Keith that he wrote, which, which was really good as well. Because it yes. was some of his listeners' reactions. We actually did post that on the the show, the show from Keith Smith. So okay, yes. and uh, I just love the one listener who said, "Well, well, you know, one data points an anecdote." It's like, no, <laughs> this is proof of concept. Mm-hmm. How many more anecdotes do we need? LASIK surgery, plastic surgery, veterinarian surgery, DPCs, concierge medicines. There's over seven thousand of those mm-hmm. practices selling their services for basically the cost of a mobile phone or less, just like Dr. Paul. Yep. Unbelievable. Great, great stuff. Anyway, I thought that was, it's a really important point to make and, and everyone who's listening to should absolutely read this article. The the evidence now is overwhelming. There is just no question. And all government is doing now is interfering with, and I now blame government for the, for, 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 absolutely just about every problem in this space. There's no question about it. Well, Ed, I guess I have for a long time because, you know, the, the, uh, the author who really persuaded me on the whole health healthcare thing and wrote a book that was I don't know, 500 mm-hmm. pages, quite John Goodman. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think he's a fellow down there in Texas at one of the think tanks. I forget the name of it, the policy. He's actually now got the Goodman Institute. The, he, the he's, Goodman he left Institute. the one that he had previously founded. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant scholar in this area. And he wrote this incredible book called Patient Power. And mm-hmm. you just can't read that and not go, the government's really screwing this up. 
on, right. on the state level, the federal level, the with the insurance regulations, the everything. Just it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Well, totally maybe you saw this. You're a former New Yorker. New York City has made it illegal for employers, housing providers, and proprietors of public accommodations, along with their employees, agents, and associates, to use the term illegal alien with intent to demean, humiliate, or offend. Violations can be punished with a fine of up to $250,000. I did see this, and I'm like, well, that's a First Amendment problem. (laughs) Just a little, you think? (laughs) We have the same thing out here. Some crazy wacko law, you know. Now, I will say this. I I think I'm much more um, sympathetic to to, to, uh, immigration law than you are, perhaps. Well, I I think we're in alignment that, that that immigration is a problem, right? That we need we need to increase the number of people who can get in legally. Agreed. Yeah. Would that be a fa- would that be a fair yeah. assessment of our right? Sure. Um, I, I'm sympathetic to the argument about this illegal alien being used in a derogatory term. I don't know what the best term is. We need it. We do need a term to describe them, because first of all, it's usually a civil offense that people are they're overstaying a visa. Right. Right. So it's right, not right. a criminal offense. Unless it happens a second time. Yes, unless it happens a second time. So, so there's, yeah, so there's, so I agree that there needs to be a term. I, I don't, I think New York City's law is ridiculous <laughs> to, to, to actually put fine on it. That is crazy. Well, here's what the National Review said about this law, Ed. On the bright side, if the city can get away with collecting 250 k every time a New Yorker says something rude, it will end the city's <laughs> budget troubles in a hurry. Bang! Mic drop. <laughs> National Review. Good that's job. Excellent. Good job. National that's Review. Excellent. That's excellent. All right. Well, they're in they're in New York, so they know a little something about it. So, Ed, um, well, I can't believe this is over already. But what do we have coming up next week? Next week, Ron, we are going to do our year in review, 2019 year in review. This will not include our best books, however. So that's going to be another show. Oh, excellent. Okay, I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com, and please go out to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. You can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a wonderful weekend.